All right, Fritzberg and bloodandfaith.com. It's uh, the weekend again. It's the 14th of January, 2023. I've been a, a bad boy. I've been a very bad boy. I've been writing lately, and I, I enjoy writing. In fact, uh, the podcasting has always been secondary to me, uh, uh, and I came upon it, oh, two or three years ago. I just I started talking to a microphone. Turns out I really enjoy it. It's actually quite easy. Writing is a lot of work. Um, but I enjoy it immensely, and I have been back at uh, the old keyboard typing away, causing mayhem and destruction for the kingdom of darkness, I hope. That's the goal, um, it, building the kingdom of God. And I got a little mind to write on the war that we're in. I, I podcasted on this the other day. And I'm writing about the war that we are in. It's not a war that's coming. It's a war that is, and we're not faring well. We're not faring well at, 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 on it at all. And it reminds me of the conquest of Iberia by the Africans and the Muslims. You had a Christian Europe. You had a Christian European man in Iberia, in the area that is now Spain. And the Muslims invaded, and they took over all of Spain. You know who assisted them? It was the Jews. The Jews assisted them. The invasion was around 700 years, uh, um, 700 A.D. I think they, they got stopped at the Battle of Tours, 710, southern France. And they were stopped by Christian men, by Christian European men. But nevertheless, it took seven centuries, it took 700 years to reconquer Spain. Now... <laughs> I'm a long-term kind of guy. I won't be around for seven centuries, but my people will. My European brothers and sisters will. Christians will. And I'm bound and determined to do my part, to do everything I can to do to, to see the reconquest of Christian lands by Christian people by European peoples. And so that's what I've been writing about. That was, in fact, that was the title of, of, of uh, one of the articles I wrote today, The Reconquest. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. I mean, it, what, what are you going to just give up because it's hard? Unfortunately, that's where the church is at. The church is utterly demoralized. The church has said, you know what? It ain't worth it. We're going to get raptured. You know, let's go out and let's let's try to get along with the people that hate Jesus Christ. Let's do everything we can to get along with the people that hate Jesus Christ. Let's give them what they want. Let's let's tell them what they what they want to hear. Let's not say what Jesus Christ said in the Holy Scriptures about them, about those who call themselves Jews. It's funny that it's so controversial to talk about this stuff. It's 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 funny because historically in Christendom, in Europe, this is meat and potato stuff, man. It's just, it's as normal as a Baptist saying you must be born again. Pointing out what Jesus Christ said about those who call themselves Jews was as normal as, as talking about the, the day of Pentecost or for, 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 for a charismatic or being born again by the evangelical, by, by uh, 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 Billy Graham. It was as normal as, as feeding the hungry for the Salvation Army folks. But you have a group of people who, as an identity, have rejected Jesus Christ, 
telling the church of Jesus Christ what they can and can't say. This is interesting, very interesting. It's a recent phenomenon in the last, oh, I don't know, 100 years at, at most. It's fair, it, it certainly uh, took off after the Second World War. Um, and uh, the church needs to fight back. church is not fighting. church isn't even trying. At best, the church is saying, I'm not racist, sexist, homophobic, but that's just caving into the enemy. It's not even best. It's not even a best-case scenario. The church has said, you know what, Let's, uh, we like uh, to be loved by the world. We want to be friends with the world. In, in contradiction to James 4.4, 4, don't, don't be friends with the world. You become an adulteress. The term adulteress is, is very specific. It's, it's picked for a reason. And if you go uh, up to Revelation chapter 18, you, you learn about the, the, um, the mother of harlots the great prostitute, the whore of Babylon. If you go back and you study harlot in the Hebrew Scriptures, it talks about uh, the, the wayward people of Israel, the original nation of Israel. The one that exists now has nothing to do with, with the, uh, the, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they know it. But they do what their father does. They lie and they deceive. And so the church needs to get back where we were a couple hundred years ago, three, four hundred years ago, where we actually take the Word of God seriously, and we don't excise whole chapters and books because it's inconvenient for those that reject Jesus Christ. So I'd encourage you to go to bloodandfaith.com, read what I have written, pass it around. We're in a serious time, and it's not trending in our direction. It's like the invasion of Spain in, in, in the 700s, early 700s. It's not, it didn't, wasn't trending in their direction for a long, long time. But sooner or later, somebody had to stand up and say, enough. It's, it's not worth living this way. It's not worth my life to put up with this stuff. And he had thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christian European men saying, no, no, we're not, we're not going to deal with this. They can kill us. They can, they can burn our houses, they can take our lands, but we will give every portion of our human existence to fight against this evil. And that's what the church needs to do now, if it's going to be the church. One of the things I said today in, in the article was, look, there's a lot of Judeo-Christians out there, maybe most of the church. And I wish that they would just come out and say, hey, you know what, we're, we're not Christians anymore, we're, Ju we're Judeo-Christians. And they can openly renounce the words of Jesus Christ. I, I wish they would do that. Give me five men that say, you know what, I'll stand by what Jesus Christ said. I'll stand by the words of my king, my monarch, Jesus Christ, without apologies. I'm not interested in a religion. I'm not interested in a morality club. I'm not interested in a little thing that, that, that uh, uh, you know, everybody loves. I'm interested in the interests of my monarch, Jesus Christ. I'm interested in being loyal to my monarch, Jesus Christ. The man who will judge the world and who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. I'm interested in loyalty to him. I'm interested in men and women who are proud of his words, proud of what he said, unapologetic for, for what Jesus Christ said. Who can say it loud, who can say it proud, who can say it boldly. It will not back down. There's no getting along in this world. There is no getting along. The only way you get along is if you submit to the enemy or the enemy takes you off the chessboard. That's the only way you can get along in this world. Or you conquer. 
I serve a conquer. I serve a conquering God. So, oh, he died. He died. You know, they killed him two thousand. Yeah, and he he rose from the dead, man. He the dude rose from the dead. <laughs> he rose from the dead. He's commanded those who who would be loyal to him, and, and you don't have to be loyal. You can do whatever you want to do. But for those of us who would be loyal to him, he told us to go out and conquer. He told us to do the same thing. He said, go out and conquer. Go out and conquer. Oh, what do you mean? Jesus didn't say to conquer anybody. We're supposed to deliver. No, he said, go conquer. He said, go preach the gospel. He said, bring discipline to the nations, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Well, that means a little Bible study, a little discipleship group where I tell Johnny about John 3.16 and, and about how not to... Uh, Drink beer and fornicate anymore. That's discipleship. No, 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 no. I reject that. I utterly reject that. The goal is to bring discipline to entire nations, entire ethnic groups, entire peoples. To build Christian nations across the face of the earth. And that, in fact, is what happened. That's why Europe was converted. That's why Europe was converted to Jesus Christ. They took the Great Commission seriously, and they converted nations to Jesus Christ. Oh, but there was many fake Christians back then that just did it because that was what their king did. There's a lot of fake Christians right now without that, aren't there? And there's a whole lot of people that will never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because the Antichrist has taken over, because the church won't put up a fight against the Antichrist. And the church essentially assists assist the deceiver of nations, Satan himself, by keeping their mouths shut. Because what we have to say, what the monarch has to say, what the Savior has to say, what the Son of God has to say, is censored by the church. I, I don't care what the Satan seed does. I don't care what the Talmud people do. I don't care what Satan wants. It's up to the church to open up our mouths. It's up to us to open up our mouths. Nobody can stop that. You can't stop that. Yeah, you can take down websites. You can delete YouTube videos. You can cut out a man's tongue. But that's what it's going to have to take for the church to shut up. But we've we'll shut up willingly. We've kept our mouths shut. So, well, we can't say what Jesus Christ said because it'll offend the devil's babies. It'll offend the devil's babies. Oh, you can't say that. That's anti-Semitic. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. If you're not racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, intolerant, divisive, Islamophobic, and anti-Semitic, you've bent the knee, man. You've bent the knee to the Antichrist. You, you, you've, you're living your life contrary to the great commission of Jesus Christ, where we're commanded to go out and... Open up our mouths and speak. Oh, it'll offend somebody. I'll lose my job. God, what an honor. What an honor that would be. What an honor that would be. To have to, to, to actually suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an honor that would be. And it's like the church, we're handed gold by God, and we dump it into the trash. We're handed gold by God, and we say, I don't want the gold, and we dump it in the trash. We, 
What an honor to, to suffer hardship, genuine, legitimate hardship for genuinely and legitimately saying the things that Jesus Christ said. Church doesn't want it. Doesn't want that gold. Dumps the gold out, man. And it's sitting there waiting for them if they would just take it. How do you take it? Say what Jesus Christ said and let the demon scream. Let the demon scream at you. What's the worst they can do? Saw you in two? Saw you in two? Hebrews chapter 11. Haven't seen a lot of that in North America lately. Probably going on over there in the Middle East and certainly in Africa. Jesus Christ never denied the faith. And he told the Jews, he told them, he said, listen, if, if I say what you're saying, I'll be a liar like you. And it cost him his life. They nailed him to a cross, and he died a hideous, painful death. And he tells his disciples, hey, you want to follow me? This is not a metaphorical cross that Jesus Christ picked up. And of all the disciples, I'm only aware of one that may have died of old days, and that was John. I'm not even sure about that, but that's what I hear. A lot of them were crucified on crosses as well. A lot of Christians were burnt alive in the Colosseum, made into Roman candles. you got to think about that every 4th of July when you get your lighting off those Roman candles. And you say, those were my ancestors. Those were my European forebearers. Those are my European blood. They became Roman candles because they would not bend the knee to the Antichrist. One of my favorite stories is, is, is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Look, guys, all you got to do is just bow down and worship. Made this image. Talked about 666. This is 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide. Maybe 6 cubits long. Maybe that's your 666. It's the symbol of man, symbol of corporate man. 666 is the number of man. It's not the number of a man. It's the number of man, period. Capital M. I said, look, just bow down. Give a little token worship to this. And you know what they did? He said, no, we ain't going to do it. I'm sure their wives were not happy with him. I'm sure their wives were very upset with him. Well, just go over there and bow down and get over with. You know, if you don't do that, I'm, you know, I, we can't make our car payments. And I might have to move out of this house and find me a new husband. I'm sure they made a lot of enemies in their own family. But those men saw the gold. They saw the gold, man. They saw the gold. And even if they didn't see the gold, they had a loyalty in them. They had a loyalty deep, deep, deep inside of them. A burning loyalty and pride for Jesus Christ. A pride in Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus wasn't born yet. Jesus Christ, before Abraham was, I am, said Jesus Christ. What do you think the creator of the universe is? It's Jesus Christ. John 1, Hebrews 1. 
Who do you think to spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his son, uh, his friend? It's Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ said, "No man's seen the Father." So you're talking to the Lord. You're talking to Jesus Christ. Jesus tells his disciples, "It's absolutely show us the Father. Show us the Father, Jesus." And he's going, "Man, I've been here with you guys for three years, and you don't don't understand. You've seen me, you've seen the Father." And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had a, had a deep pride in their God, Jesus Christ. They said, we, we, we don't care. Burn us. Throw us in the fire. And he did. Nebuchadnezzar did. Threw him in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looks, looks around and says, didn't we throw three men in? Everybody said, yeah. He says, how come there's four in there? I'll tell you another little secret. Not a secret. But you know why mankind is worth saving? Because we're willing to do that for our monarch, Jesus Christ. Abraham was willing to give his son. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to go into the fire. And so all of us are witnesses. We're witnesses to all the angels saying, here you go. These people are worth it. They don't even see God. They don't even see God. But they love him. Because it's in our hearts. And so God handed these men gold. The question was, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you going to pick up the gold or are you going to let it sit there on the sidewalk? Somebody's going to get the gold. There's always going to be, somebody will get it. I hope it's you. We're in a war. We're in a war against the Antichrist, who is here today and who rules. <laughs> the church is waiting for the giant C-17 to pick them up and fly them to Disneyland where they can play. <laughs> and God's saying, I'm trying to give you guys gold. I'm, just, I'm trying to give you guys gold. I'm trying to hand you a pallet of gold if you'll take it, if you'll take it. Rejoice when you encounter various trials. That the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, refined by fire, even though it perishes, this is a gold, it's a treasure that will never fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Never fade away. You can't spend it all. You'll never be poor, ever. Oh, but, you know, it's hard and... You know, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus really call people sons of the devil? Yes, he would. Yes, he did. And he's waiting for you to say the same things that he said. He's waiting for me to say the same things that he said. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Fine, fine. Leave the gold there. Leave the gold there. Somebody else will pick it up, man. I guarantee you. But you don't want to be the dude. 
Listen, let me tell you something. Let me give you a clue. There's always two. There's always two. There's two thieves next to Jesus Christ. They both had the chance to have eternal life. One mocked the Son of God. The other repented. Which one are you? Naomi had two daughters-in-law. Two of them. They both had the opportunity. One of them said, eh, it ain't worth it. I'll go back to my people. Ruth said, hey, your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. She walked away from everything. Moses Listen, I'm telling you, I'm flat out telling you, Moses left Egypt at 40. You don't think there were some times between age 40 and age 80 when he said to himself, maybe I should have stayed, man. Maybe I should have stayed. You don't think there was times he thought that? He had all the wealth of Egypt, all the wealth of Egypt. The servants, the training, the harems. He had, he had everything. And he walked away. He walked away. You don't think there was a day that he didn't think about that? And, calls, and God calls him back. God says, you're going back. And he's going, I ain't going back to have what I had. I'm only going to face death. To go back there is death. He had a death sentence on him. God said, no, you're going back. Well, I imagine his wife was upset with him. What do you mean we're going back? You, that, that's on you. You go ahead and go back. I, I ain't going back. He went back. And he had a tough 40 years. 80 to 120. Age 80 to age 100. He had a tough 40 years. And he never saw the promised land. Never went to the promised land. So we're given choices. You want the gold? You can leave it for somebody else. Well, God said he'd save me from the hour of temptation, the hour of trial. Really? He did. Is that right? Is that right? Is that what he did to Jesus Christ? Did he save Jesus Christ from the hour of trial? Jesus Christ prayed to his Father, God, let this cup pass me. He prayed, let this cup pass for me. But he said, but not my will, Lord. Not my will, thy will be done. It's very clear. He said, yeah, I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it if this is what I need to be doing. And he said, he told his disciples, look, I'm in agony, man. I'm in agony. I'm in turmoil. I'm just, I, I'm so stressed out. And I will be until I undergo this baptism that I have to undergo. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Not a lot of fun. The Spaniards, Castilians, Aragonese, it wasn't Spain back then, it was a bunch of little duchies and little areas. 
But these were European men. They were Christian men. They said, it, it, it's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to live. It's not worth it to live if we have to look at these people who, 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 who took our wives, took our kids, took our lands, took our homes, desecrated our churches. We'd rather die than live this way. Took them 700 years. Took them 700 years. But they retook their lands. Those are our ancestors. Those are our European ancestors. Took them 700 years to take back Iberia. Iberia, there's a guy named Eber. Okay, He's the father of the Hebrews, the Hebrews. Was, was Iberia named after Eber? It's not unreasonable to think that. It may take us 700 years, but we're not going to stop. Guess who, who betrayed the Christians and the Europeans? It was the Jews. The Jews helped the African and the Muslim invade Spain to take over. <laughs> it's not any different today than it was 1,400 years ago. It's not any different. It's not any different. It's the same people all the way back to the Garden of Eden when he says, I'm going to put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Who's the seed of the serpent? Jesus Christ makes it clear. It's you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers. Who's the seed of the woman? Those of us in Jesus Christ. You can't get over this enmity. And these traitors that make friends and call their the Talmud people their brothers, they're part of the adulteress, they're part of the great whore of Babylon. And God, and God's calling. God's calling him out. He's, come on, come on, come on out of there. Stop this nonsense. Stop fooling around. Come on out, lest you share in her plagues. Revelation eighteen four. Adulterous prostitute. So yeah, I. I, I don't care if it takes seven hundred years. But my God, what an opportunity! What an opportunity for Christian men, for European men saying, you know what? I'm not living this way. I'm not living this way. I'm not living this way. These evil people defying my God, defying my king, taking our lands, turning our kids into the LGBTQ right under our noses, and we don't we don't have enough testosterone to stand up and say no. There's gold there waiting for you if you'll take it. It'll cost you. But what's your life worth? Are you willing to pick up a cross and follow the king, follow the man? This isn't a religion. This isn't a little morality club. This isn't a prayer meeting. This isn't a tom-tom beating club on Sunday morning where you beat your tom-toms. We're a race of men whose ancestors swore allegiance to a monarch, Jesus Christ. Are we going to be loyal to our monarch? Are we going to be loyal to our God? Or is this a little club that you joined? The Spaniards are my heroes. They never gave up. Seven centuries. What, you know what they did? when It took them seven. You know what happened after they got done? First thing they do is they kick the Jews out, 1492. Second thing they do, they, they go, they conquer the New World, 1492. And they bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Americas. 
and they liberate those people from demon worship. Go, go read about the Aztecs. Satan worshiping human sacrifice. They liberate them and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got countries over there named after Jesus Christ. I lived in one. El Salvador. There's, there's gold, man. There's gold. There's honor for you. You can pick it up. You want to get on that big C-17 to a heavenly Disneyland where you can just sort of fritter away your time and leave all the gold behind. Fritzbergerandbloodandfaith.com